Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, everyone. I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rule book and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman. From hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more, whether you are pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Are you ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Work Party, the podcast that's part work, part party. Work Party celebrates a new generation of women and femmes who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. On this week's episode, we're sitting down with Sanikiwe Delawayo, founder of Naya, a company centering Black, Indigenous, and people of color in the wellness conversation. Sanikiwe also wears the hat of creative director, model, speaker, writer, yoga teacher, and consultant. And today she's here to offer her insights on making the wellness industry more inclusive, building community through storytelling, and what comes next after hustle culture. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Same, lots to talk about, but like first let's get to know you. So tell us a little bit about your introduction into wellness and when it became first important to you. Sure. Um, I kind of don't like this question in the sense that wellness has always been such an integral part to who I am. So growing up, I played three sports. I played soccer. I played lacrosse. I was a very intense cheerleader. And so moving in some capacity has really just always been a thing. And it's never been under the guise of like doing it to lose weight or to fit a certain ideal. It's just how I've always shown up in the world. But then I think working in a capacity as a like photo and video art director at Men's Health Magazine, it really became evident that wellness was an industry. So working within that industry, starting to realize so many of the problematic elements of the industry, and really just as someone who's always trying to disrupt the status quo, I guess you could say, thinking about ways in which I personally can do things differently. Yeah. And I love that. I'm actually, I just watched, have you seen the documentary Stuts on Netflix with Janelle? Okay. So it's, it's funny you say that. Like I always have moved and like 
not in the context of like losing weight. He talks about that. It was like kind of a revelation for me where he was like, everything that I grew up with was like in the context of like play sports. So you're thin, you know, and I very much like grew up in a household like that too, like where my mom was obsessed with diet culture. And like, that was just what it was for so long. So putting it in the position of wellness and health is, is, I mean, I would say kind of a newer concept, like at least in the past, like five years, I feel like it's that, you know, conversation has transitioned, which is really important. So you find out that wellness is a business, right? You start seeing the, the, the cogs in the wheel, I guess. So what inspired you to launch Naya? And can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Sure. Naya means healing. I am from Zimbabwe and it's from Shona, which is the language spoken there. And I really launched Naya as a community. I was working here in New York. I worked at Men's Health Magazine, but in tandem with that, I was also teaching yoga in studios, mostly having white clients and the studios were white founded and realizing anytime that I would go into these spaces, people either anticipated that I was another student or when they did find out that I was the instructor, really kind of being surprised that I would be the instructor or that I could teach a good class. And so that became kind of frustrating. And then also I worked for an organization um, called Bent on Learning, which put yoga teachers in New York City public schools. But again, that kind of frustration of being like, okay, most of my students are black, but most of the folks in the organization were white. Right. And just seeing that disconnect. So I started Naya as a means of cultivating community. And how I like to describe it is Naya sits at the intersection of well being and social justice. Because unfortunately, given my lived experience, there's just certain things that I can't ignore when it comes to my wellness and well being. So that lens is really important to me um, and I think other folks and how to kind of look at this work. So, yeah, that's the abbreviated version of the beginnings. Yeah. It's such an amazing sort of business to to launch out of that experience. You know, obviously taking what you've experienced and launching something that obviously so many other people were probably experiencing as well. So since starting Naya, when did you officially launch? In 2018. So 2018, like so much has changed since 2018. It feels like a hundred years ago, but since starting Naya, how has your relationship with wellness evolved and how has the business evolved as well? Sure. I think For me personally, the biggest change has been this idea of as humans, everyone deserves to be well, right? Whether or not that is actually probable for you and your lived experience is a very different thing, but everyone intrinsically deserves to be well. And so the shift has been looking at it as how do I endeavor to be well, right? So given all of the societal things that I've faced, what is in my control that I can do to be well. And so one of those things has looked like I started going to a provider called Callan Lord here in New York. They really focus on like LGBTQIA plus folks and just my care that I have gotten there has been phenomenal, even though I am black, right? It's like, oh, like my provider is listening to me when I tell them I think something is wrong. And that was never my experience before. So really kind of seeking out those spaces where I can, yeah, do everything in my control to like be well um, has been really important shift. I think really the pandemic also kind of like thrust this upon me, like after I left my full-time job, um, was thinking about 
how to make money, right, as something that really started as a community. So I think the biggest shift now has been developing a product, and it's going to be a movement app which I'm really excited about. And I think the shift from maybe other things on the market is we really want to include folks that are hearing and visually impaired and how we develop our content. So that's really important to me. So yeah, that's been really the biggest shift is being like, oh, I need to make money from this thing and support myself. Because also I'm always thinking about financial accessibility in this space Mm -hmm. and that's super important, but also just realizing that you know, some things just have to cost money. Like that is just the nature of living in a world run by capitalism. (laughs) Like you can't just like give everything out. Also just for myself, it wasn't sustainable just trying to, you know, there was one point my sister was like, I know you want to pay people fairly, but you also should be able to eat and get groceries. And I was like, oh (laughs) shit, like that's, that's real. So maybe let me rethink how I'm approaching this a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, that totally, that totally makes sense. You know, even it was interesting, like with Create and Cultivate starting out, like I wanted every event to be free, like for as much as possible, because it was the accessibility in the same way, like giving people access to like the tools to build a business wellness for you. And it's hard to sustain that at scale and pay yourself and all these things. And, and, you know, but I do think when you launch with community, like you have and built that community for so long, there is this want to give back and people to invest in what you're building. So the app sounds incredible. Um, So congratulations, let us know when that's launched and how we can support there. So one of the conversations that's been top of mind at Create and Cultivate is around hustle culture and how it has changed and evolved in the last few years. Obviously, there's been, you know, the great resignation, the the great, all these sort of terms kind of budding up. So tell us a little bit, you know, how it affected you before you became an entrepreneur. Obviously you're working in corporate America and now afterwards sort of seeing, you know, the post 22 work from home hustle culture rebellion that everyone's kind of talking about. Yeah. I mean, I think working in corporate America, like part of my French had me real fucked up, like for so long. And also being an immigrant, my identity was really tied to what I did at work and my Mm -hmm. outfit. And then my very first job that I had, I got fired from that job. Um, And I felt, I mean, I think I was like 23. And after that happened, I just like fell apart. And I was just like, who am I? Who am I? Like, I don't have a job to go to. I don't have like set work to do. Like, who am I? I think at that point, I really did the work of figuring out who I am outside of a job. But then in my, the last job that I held in corporate America, I think given the pace of magazines, magazines come out every six weeks, you have certain deadlines that you have to meet. Like, even if I didn't want to work in kind of that hustle nature, that was just like the nature of the business, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. But then on the flip side and being an entrepreneur, it's been really interesting. So for a long time, I had a automatic message on my email that you would get that would just say, you know, I'll respond within 24 to 72 hours. And then now as I've started to seek funding for Naya, um, I've gotten a lot of investors who have responded and not in the best manner of essentially saying that I am not a serious entrepreneur because I have that type of messaging on my email inbox, which to me is so ludicrous because if this is a business about being well, Mm. But it's that like track, right? And also like full transparency. I'm still a freak. Like I'm still checking my email. Like <laughs> I might not respond to you right away, but I'm definitely seeing it right away. So I think that 
as I seek to bring on employees and create kind of this company culture, I think one thing that is imperative is having like a four day work week. Like my employees might not be required to work five days a week, but that doesn't stop me from working five days a week. And I think bringing in this level of care and compassion for humans, um, that's something I really feel like I missed in all of the managers that I had. Like their concern solely was just like, what I was producing and they didn't really care about me as a person. And, you know, right. I, and it is a fine line, right. In terms of like sharing personal things, um, in a work setting, but also at the end of the day, like I care about the human first. Right. So like if I had an employee going through grief or needing bereavement leave, like that is top of mind, like goals and deadlines are effectively arbitrary, right? We make those things up. So the work is always going to be there, but the care and compassion, I think for a human person is really paramount to me. Yeah, absolutely. So fascinating about the investor feedback, because it's funny, I have a portfolio company I'm invested in that has the CEO has a message similar to that, that, you know, we're invested in. And, you know, I think the way she phrases it is like, I'm working on the business right now. And like, this is what I do if you're looking for help in this department or whatever. But I think that's really interesting because I do think we're at this like interesting inflection point of like the old guard and the new guard, right? So like the old guard being that like growth at all costs, you know, first one in last one out idea that frankly, I grew up with like when I was in corporate America for a little bit. And then the new guard being like these new set of entrepreneurs like yourself that are coming in that are more empathetic, that have an understanding of like people are people and like things happen. Flexibility is important. All of these and wellness specifically in your case is paramount. So what advice would you give to someone who's building a company day one today? Like how do they start implementing in these like wellness ideas of like being a company that is taking a holistic approach to the wellness of their employees, like any tips you would give them? No superfluous meetings. That's one. Like I just don't love a meeting to have a meeting. I think as I, again, finally bring on like full-time employees, really looking to have people have autonomy. It was very frustrating to me having managers like constantly like send an email and then 10 minutes later be like, did you get my email? Like coming to my desk, like Yes, I, I I got it. Can I have like two seconds to process like this email? So micromanaging for me is like a hard no. I would also offer that setting. What has been really helpful for me is that I don't take meetings on Monday or Friday mm. unless it's like absolutely needs to happen because something is in the works. Then that has been really great just to be like, okay, cool. Like Monday, Friday, I can do deep work instead of like, I just don't have the ability to switch from being on zoom and then like going deep into something. Like I just, I yeah. not set up that way. And also, you know, being on zoom, um, in this new work paradigm, it requires you to really like be on in a different way. And so for me, that's really draining. So I know that I'm like, cool, cool. Those like three days we're like on it, we're on the zoom. And then after that, you're not going to find me on a screen. You know what I mean? Like, so that's really helpful. I think if people can set up even just like one day of not taking meetings um, for themselves and for their teams, I think that's really helpful. I always like to keep it all the way 100. And I think if you are a founder, especially a black founder and a black woman founder, it's going to be really fucking difficult, especially getting capital and access to capital. And that is something that I like to be really honest with people about. And I think with, you know, girl boss culture, so much of being an entrepreneur has been glamorized. And mm -hmm. I 
like to just have the transparency around like it's hard. It's really hard. Like I'm grateful every day that I am able to create like this life for myself and it comes at a cost. So I want people who are endeavoring to be entrepreneurs to know that upfront. Hey, Work Party listeners, I'm taking a pause here to share a quick update on my latest skincare find, the Dermalogica Daily Microfoliant. Going through my nighttime skincare routine is one of the best parts of my day, truly. I've been trying to recreate my favorite treatments at home by testing out nourishing and sustainable products that literally treat my skin. I've come to love Dermalogica's Daily Microfoliant, the brand's iconic and best-selling exfoliating powder. The rice-based powder activates on contact with water, releasing ingredients like salicylic acid and rice enzymes that polish skin to perfection. The formula has helped balance my uneven skin tone and soothe any irritation from daily life. It's super gentle, so I have no problem using it every single night before I go to bed. And all of Dermalogica's products are professional grade and inspired by the treatment room. Formulas are certified cruelty-free and follow a strict no list of ingredients, including artificial colors, fragrances, mineral oil, lanolin, and parabens. Big nose. Every product is backed by the expertise of professional skin therapists who have touched, squeezed, massaged, and buffed the skins of millions of people and millions of skin types. They treat it all. I love that they've not only identified ingredients needed to achieve healthy skin, they've also made formulas accessible to anyone looking to achieve healthy skin at home. The Daily Microfoliant is one of those go-to skin therapy products that I use every single night. It's made for all skin types, including acne-prone skin, dullness, and uneven textures, No wonder a bottle is sold every 33 seconds. It's crazy. I want you guys to test this out. So use code PARTY to get a free travel-sized daily microfoliant when you spend $20 at www.dermalogica.com. That's code PARTY for a free travel-sized daily microfoliant when you spend $20 at www.dermalogica.com. Hi, friends. I'm Cameron Rogers, host of Freckles Beauty and Friends podcast, which is now on Dear Media. Are you wondering what just happened to your life after having a baby or struggling with your mental health during postpartum? That was me just a few months ago. Are you working on healing your relationship with yourself, your body, and or food? Same. We are all on a journey to self-love and acceptance, and I'm right there with you. That's what Freckled Foodie and Friends is all about, reminding you that no matter what, you are not alone. Make sure to tune in for season five, launching with Dear Media on November 9th, and subscribe to listen to new episodes every Wednesday morning. Does anyone else get overwhelmed by choosing the right vitamins? I've come across way too many misleading labels, hard to pronounce ingredients, and sugary formulas. The creators of Ritual felt the same. Multivitamins made for skeptics by skeptics. What you see is what you get, and what you get is really good. Rituals Essential for Women Multivitamin 18 Plus was made to bring your foundation health into focus. Obviously, I love a vitamin that strengthens my hair, skin, and nails, but with ingredients like omega-3, magnesium, and iron, Ritual goes beyond the visible. I had no idea that more than 97% of women ages 19 to 50 aren't getting enough vitamin D from their diet. In an effort to support normal immune function, Ritual includes vegan-certified vitamin D3 in Essential for Women 18+. I take Ritual because the formula supports my brain health, blood building, antioxidant support, and bone health too. Multivitamin 18+, is one of the few women's multis that's USP verified, meaning what's on the label is what's in the formula. 
It's also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. Vitamins are also notoriously hard to take, but a minty essence is packaged in every bottle. So it keeps things fresh and helps makes taking your multis every day actually enjoyable. From transparency to experience, the folks at Ritual really get it. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash party10 to start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. I want to talk a little bit about Black folks breathing. Can you tell us a little bit about that arm of the brand? Yeah, I loved working in editorial. I love telling stories. Unfortunately, what I'm really realizing is that people don't read. Like I love books, but people don't read really. Like people are not sitting to read like long essays on the internet and that's just reality. Now focusing on shifting it to a podcast versus like an online editorial platform, which I think will be really great. And then kind of providing a summary like in a newsletter format. So people who still like to read kind of have that ability. But yeah, I think it's also important to tell stories of Black people that don't just center on the terrible things that happen to us, um, because that can be really polarizing. So I think it's important for people to know that like we live full lives that don't just center on trauma. That's so exciting. So that's now a podcast to your point. Yeah. Everyone just wants bite-sized content. So, but yeah, that's amazing. So is the podcast launched? It's not launched yet. We're still working on the launch. I had hoped to launch it for Black History Month, but I think also going slow at the start of the year. Um, I'm probably going to wait, I think, until like closer to June and maybe like Juneteenth to launch it, which gives us time to like bank that content. Cause I think the other thing too, is like people want, especially with podcasts, like a steady pace. So I'd rather just like build up the content and then release it than be scrambling to be like, Oh, we got to record this week. And like, you know, and I think it just goes back to trying to do things differently and not always being pressed to, we got to like do this thing. Like I'd rather give it time. Yeah, absolutely. And so true as someone who records a lot of podcasts all the time. So part of your business is consulting with other founders in the wellness industry to help make their businesses more equitable, which is amazing. So can you tell us a little bit, like, what does this look like on the day-to-day and what are some of your goals when you start working with a new brand? Yeah. I mean, I think we saw in 2020, there was a fervor of folks saying like, we support black lives, maybe adding in black talent to their creative but none of that has really been sustainable. And unfortunately, until you really look at your business and how you are promoting people from within, how are you creating equity in your products or programs? Like there's no way that that can be sustainable. And so when I am working with a client, I think it's important to think of what are your long-term goals? Really also speaking to the people that work there and getting the truth of their experience and figuring out best practices of how to shift that, right? It's because it's really hard to tell people like, you might think you're doing things great, but you're actually, that's not really the reality, you know? And you're really gonna falter unless you do it in the long-term better. So I think that that's a hard thing for people to reckon with. Yeah. So it's is that constructive criticism on the back end that they feel like they're doing a good job. What are some of the mistakes that you see often or sort of um, misses that you're seeing that are, you know, people could maybe reflect on their own businesses who are listening to this podcast? 
I think the biggest thing is that everything is reactionary. Um, so even in 2020, right? Like I think people, it was a confluence of things of like people having more time to maybe think about these things that they didn't have to think about before if it wasn't their lived experience. Whereas now things have seemingly gone back to normal, the status quo, when actually they've gotten worse. Like last year on record more, the police killed more people than ever before, which is abhorrent. And so I think as a business, it. It's really key for you to look at who is even in positions of leadership, right? right? Because I've had companies reach out to me where I'm like, wow, I like, I might really love what you're doing, but I'm also like, I don't even feel comfortable working with you because I don't know what that's going to be like for me, right? Because there's no one like myself in a position of power. I even had someone reach out on LinkedIn and they wanted me to kind of join their community or some such. And I was just like, hey, like I've actually been harmed in these spaces before when there was no black leadership. So unless there's some kind of black leadership there, like, I don't know that I can like partake, you know? So I think that really internal assessment of what are we actually doing and who is it actually impacting? Because you can have an intention, but the actual impact is very different than the intention. Yeah, looking internally before working on your external, you know, POV on everything, I think is a really good um, tip for everyone. So you've been vocal on Instagram about the power of language and being selective and intentional with the words that you use. So when you're consulting with these business owners, how do you talk to them about language and teach people how to be more thoughtful in their choices with the words that they're using? I mean, I love words so much. And the more that I dissect our language, especially the English language, so much of it is very violent, especially in corporate terms, right? Like, oh, you killed it or you crushed it or, you know, just like there's just so much terminology that's like, wow, this is actually really terrible. Ocean Vong is a a writer that I love and he also speaks to how violent our language is. And so I think that that is one way that brands can start. Like even, you know, how are you communicating with your team? right? What language are you using to communicate with your team? I think it's just about cultivating this awareness and being aware of how you're, yeah, even conversing with people that you employ or, you know, as an employee, like other people that you work with too. I've never thought about that. That's so like eye-opening to like, even like, cause you just say these things cause it's part of, you know, the parlance of whatever, but yeah. yeah. Fascinating. So let's um, wrap with the future of Naya. So obviously you have podcast, the app, all these different things, anything else that we can look forward to? What are you excited about? What's like lighting you up right now? Yeah, I'm really excited. We're going to do, um, again, what is time anymore, but we had done an online retreat for young people. Um, so we're going to do one in person this year. That'll be really how to cultivate a meditation practice as a young person. And then also bringing in the element of community. We're going to do an in-person retreat for grown people, which I'm excited about as well. And then I think the biggest thing lighting me up is just, yeah, more opportunities to share this work and talk to people that I admire. Yeah. Amazing. And then also, I mean, sorry, the last, last thing, I mean, there's so many things, but um, it's a financially accessible yoga teacher training. So we had started that process. We were like looking at applications and all the things and the pandemic happened. Um, So just kind of took a step back from it because it felt unfair to kind of charge people for this skill that they probably weren't going to be able to use because also 
teaching in a virtual format is very different than teaching. Mm. Right. You're like also doing the thing while you're teaching the thing. And like, it's just a whole different skill set. So it felt to me very unfair to try and yeah, just charge people for something I I'm sure they weren't going to use right away. So I'm excited to be able to do that this year. Amazing. And are those retreats going to be in New York or? Still deciding. I mean, again, the barrier for me has been the financial cost of right. You know, even when I'm pitching this retreat for young people, I'll give the disclaimer, you know, and the places want like 20K, 30K to rent a retreat center. And I'm like, this is not like wealthy people going on retreat. These are, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um, so that has been such a thing. Yeah. Well, so. I'll, let me think about anyone that I know that could be good for that as well. I feel like there, there has to be some really good, at least hotel partners out there. If you're listening, um, yeah, that's please, my yeah. way. I would love that. That's been the thing, right? It's like, but I think where I've kind of landed is just, unfortunately, certain things are, you know, the retreat for adults, right. Is going to have to bear some cost to it that that can offset the retreat for young people that isn't going to be able to really generate money. Yeah. That's the dance, right? That's also being an entrepreneur, right? Absolutely. So let's wrap with some sentence finishers. Uh, my business superpower is saying no, a person who always makes me smile. My sister. The thing about Naya that makes me the proudest is I fucking made this shit. Like I had an idea. And I did period, period, the end. Yes. (laughs) And I love that. Amazing. Well, can you tell everyone where they can learn more about you and Naya online? Yeah, you can find Naya on Instagram at Naya, N-A-A-Y-A dot wellness. My account is currently private, but follow Naya and sign up for our newsletter. Amazing. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.